Third Book, Chapter One of The Social Contract. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social Contract by Jean Jacques Rousseau. Third Book, Chapter One. Third Book. Before speaking of the different forms of government, let us try to fix the precise meaning of that word, which has not yet been very clearly explained. Chapter 1. Government in General I warn the reader that this chapter must be read carefully, and that I do not know the art of making myself intelligible to those that will not be attentive. Every free action has two causes concurring to produce it, the one moral, that is to say, the will which determines the act, the other physical, that is to say, the power which executes it. When I walk toward an object, I must first will to go to it. In the second place, my feet must carry me to it. Should a paralytic wish to run, or an active man not wish to do so, both will remain where they are. The body politic has the same motive powers. In it, likewise, force and will are distinguished, the latter under the name of legislative power, the former under the name of executive power. Nothing is, or ought to be, done in it without their cooperation. We have seen that the legislative power belongs to the people, and can belong to it alone. On the other hand, it is easy to see from the principles already established that the executive power cannot belong to the people generally as legislative or sovereign, because that power is exerted only in particular acts which are not within the province of the law, nor consequently within that of the sovereign all the acts of which must be laws. The public force, then, requires a suitable agent to concentrate it and put it in action according to the directions of the general will, to serve as a means of communication between the state and the sovereign, to effect in some manner in the public person what the union of soul and body effects in a man. This is, in the state, the function of the government, improperly confounded with the sovereign, of which it is only the minister. What, then, is the government? An intermediate body, established between the subjects and the sovereign, for their mutual correspondence, charged with the execution of the laws, and with the maintenance of liberty, both civil and political. The members of this body are called magistrates, or kings, that is, governors, and the body as a whole bears the name of prince. Those, therefore, who maintain that the act by which a people submits to its chiefs is not a contract, are quite right. It is absolutely nothing but a commission, an employment, in which, as simple officers of the sovereign, they exercise in its name the power of which it has made them depositaries, and which it can limit, modify, and resume when it pleases. 
The alienation of such a right, being incompatible with the nature of the social body, is contrary to the object of the association. Consequently, I give the name government, or supreme administration, to the legitimate exercise of the executive power, and that of prince, or magistrate, to the man or body charged with that administration. It is in the government that are found the intermediate powers, the relations of which constitute the relation of the whole to the whole, or of the sovereign to the state. This last relation can be represented by that of the extremes of a continued proportion, of which the mean proportional is the government. The government receives from the sovereign the commands which it gives to the people, and in order that the state may be in stable equilibrium, it is necessary, everything being balanced, that there should be equality between the product, or the power of the government taken by itself, and the product or the power of the citizens, who are sovereign in the one aspect and subjects in the other. Further, we could not alter any of the three terms without at once destroying the proportion. If the sovereign wishes to govern, or if the magistrate wishes to legislate, or if the subjects refuse to obey, disorder succeeds order, force and will no longer act in concert, and the state being dissolved falls into despotism or anarchy. Lastly, as there is but one mean proportional between each relation, there is only one good government possible in a state. But as a thousand events may change the relations of a people, not only may different governments be good for different peoples, but for the same people at different times. To try and give an idea of the different relations that may exist between these two extremes, I will take for an example the number of the people as a relation most easy to express. Let us suppose that the state is composed of ten thousand citizens. The sovereign can only be considered collectively and as a body, but every private person in his capacity of subject is considered as an individual. Therefore, the sovereign is to the subject as ten thousand is to one. That is, each member of the state has as his share only one ten thousandth part of the sovereign authority, although he is entirely subjected to it. If the nation consists of a hundred thousand men, the position of the subjects does not change, and each alike is subjected to the whole authority of the laws, while his vote, reduced to one hundred thousandth, has ten times less influence in their enactment. The subject, then, always remaining a unit, the proportional power of the sovereign increases in the ratio of the number of the citizens. Whence it follows that the more the state is enlarged, the more does liberty diminish. When I say that the proportional power increases, I mean that it is farther removed from equality. Therefore, the greater the ratio is in the geometrical sense, the less is the ratio in the common acceptation. In the former, the ratio, considered according to quantity, is measured by the exponent, and in the other, considered according to identity, 
it is estimated by the similarity now the less the particular wills correspond with the general will that is customs with laws the more should the repressive power be increased the government then in order to be effective should be relatively stronger in proportion as the people are more numerous on the other hand as the aggrandizement of the state gives the depositaries of the public authority more temptations and more opportunities to abuse their power the more force should the government have to restrain the people and the more should the sovereign have in its turn to restrain the government i do not speak here of absolute force but of the relative force of the different parts of the state it follows from this double ratio that the continued proportion between the sovereign the prince and the people is not an arbitrary idea but a necessary consequence of the nature of the body politic it follows further that one of the extremes that is to say the people as subject being fixed and represented by unity whenever the double ratio increases or diminishes the single ratio increases or diminishes in like manner and consequently the middle term is changed this shows that there is no unique and absolute constitution of government but that there may be as many governments different in nature as there are states different in size if for the sake of turning this system to ridicule it should be said that in order to find this mean proportional and form the body of the government it is according to me only necessary to take the square root of the number of the people i should answer that i take that number here only as an example that the ratios of which i speak are not measured only by the number of men but in general by the quantity of action which results from the combination of multitudes of causes that moreover if for the purpose of expressing myself in fewer words i borrow for a moment geometrical terms i am nevertheless aware that geometrical precision has no place in moral quantities the government is on a small scale what the body politic which includes it is on a large scale it is a moral person endowed with certain faculties active like the sovereign passive like the state and it can be resolved into other similar relations from which arises as a consequence a new proportion and yet another within this according to the order of the magistracies until we come to an indivisible middle term that is to a single chief or supreme magistrate who may be represented in the middle of this progression as unity between the series of fractions and that of the whole numbers without embarrassing ourselves with this multiplication of terms let us be content to consider the government as a new body in the state distinct from the people and from the sovereign and intermediate between the two there is this essential difference between those two bodies that the state exists by itself while the government exists only through the sovereign thus the dominant will of the prince is or ought to be only the general will or the law its force is only the public force concentrated in itself 
so soon as it wishes to perform of itself some absolute and independent act, the connection of the whole begins to be relaxed. If, lastly, the prince should chance to have a particular will more active than that of the sovereign, and if, to enforce obedience to this particular will, it should employ the public force which is in its hands in such a manner that there would be, so to speak, two sovereigns, the one de jure and the other de facto, the social union would immediately disappear, and the body politic would be dissolved. Further, in order that the body of the government may have an existence, a real life to distinguish it from the body of the state, in order that all its members may be able to act in concert and fulfill the object for which it is instituted, a particular personality is necessary to it, a feeling common to its members, a force, a will of its own tending to its preservation. This individual existence supposes assemblies, councils, a power of deliberating and resolving, rights, titles, and privileges which belong to the prince exclusively, and which render the position of the magistrate more honorable in proportion as it is more arduous. The difficulty lies in the method of disposing, within the whole, this subordinate whole, in such a way that it may not weaken the general constitution in strengthening its own, that its particular force, intended for its own preservation, may always be kept distinct from the public force, designed for the preservation of the state, and, in a word, that it may always be ready to sacrifice the government to the people, and not the people to the government. Moreover, although the artificial body of the government is the work of another artificial body, and has in some respects only a derivative and subordinate existence, that does not prevent it from acting with more or less vigor or celerity, from enjoying, so to speak, more or less robust health. Lastly, without directly departing from the object for which it was instituted, it may deviate from it more or less according to the manner in which it is constituted. From all these differences arise the different relations which the government must have with the body of the state, so as to accord with the accidental and particular relations by which the state itself is modified. For often the government that is best in itself will become the most vicious unless its relations are changed so as to meet the defects of the body politic to which it belongs. End of chapter 1